She Makes Money Moves is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio. Regardless of what our finances are, this is what I'm going to do for myself. I'm going to go get my hair done. I'm going to go, you know, get a pedicure. I'm going to spend money on fast food because I work for this too. I'm Samantha Barry, Editor-in-Chief of Glamour, and this is She Makes Money Moves. For many women, shopping is a social activity. It can be a mood booster, a stress reliever, or even a mindless distraction when you're bored. The concept of spending money to treat yourself is so popular, it was called out on an episode of Parks and Rec. Once a year, Donna and I spend a day treating ourselves. What do we treat ourselves to? Clothes. Treat yourself. Fragrances. Treat yourself. Massages. Treat yourself. Mimosas. Treat yourself. Fine leather goods. Treat yourself. It's the best day of the year. The best day of the year! Treating yourself generally doesn't lead to compulsive shopping. Only about 6% of Americans display that behaviour. But out of that 6%, 80% are women. Whether the woman in question is a co-worker or a pop culture icon, we might laugh when she treats shopping like a sporting event. But we might be a little jealous of her wardrobe. <gasps> I spent $40,000 on shoes and I have no place to live? I will literally be the old woman who lived in her shoes. Today's guest was never diagnosed as a compulsive shopper, but some of the signs were there. She'd spend money when she felt anxious, stressed or underappreciated. She bought things she didn't need even when she couldn't afford them. She shopped impulsively and she hid her habits. Of course, again, didn't take the bags in the house. (laughs) To this day, he still doesn't know, but if he hears this, he will. She craved the buyer's high, the rush she got after treating herself. But the aftermath was wrought with guilt. Like, I was so ashamed of myself. And, like, just, you know, that feeling of, Dominic, why would you do that? Like, you really need to start analyzing, like, where is this coming from? Like, you're not an irresponsible person. You've always been a responsible person. So where where is this now coming from that you, you're starting to feel this way or you're starting to make the careless decisions like this? This is her story. Hi, my name is Dominique Sparrow. I'm 30 years old and I'm from Roanoke, Virginia. My husband and I are currently trying to navigate through a lot of debt. Some of the debt I have accrued before I met him. I got my first credit card when I was 18 years old. And then I got another one probably a year later. I didn't really have the full understanding of how credit cards work and, you know, the the level of responsibility and how to use them responsibly. I was a college student, and I was working at a call center at the time, making maybe $11 an hour. And I had a car payment and uh, so many other bills that I was essentially living off of my credit cards. And then after I met my husband, uh, we got married, and we decided to purchase a house a year after we got married. And then my husband and I found out that we were expecting, which was exciting at the time, until a couple months later, I went into congestive heart failure. We spent so much time in the hospital and, you know, they don't tell you that every Tylenol they give you cost. They don't tell you, you know, every service that they're giving you, you know, is is really racking up. You don't know those things until you see the bill, which doesn't even come until three or four months later. We owed six or seven thousand dollars, which when you think of open heart surgery, you're like, oh, that's nothing. Um, So thank goodness for insurance. But to us, that's a lot. 
So then, you know, we're waiting to see, oh, my goodness, what is the next bill going to be, which was $4,000. And so that's when I actually started to accumulate hospital bills um, from having open heart surgery. So just accumulating those hospital bills, still working at the same call center on roughly the same wage, maybe just a little bit more. Um, and trying to come together with all that, in addition to having a car payment, the credit card debt, now a mortgage and hospital bills that we were trying to um, navigate through. We were constantly living paycheck to paycheck. And that was even before we had kids and before we entered our mortgage, even in the stages when we were dating. Dominique had graduated and moved from the call centre job to a career as a family service specialist. She was making more money, but she was spending even more. She felt trapped living paycheck to paycheck and trapped in the routine of working while raising two children. And that's when she'd convinced herself that she deserved a little something, a little self-care in the form of a manicure or a trip to the mall. Every day I wake up and I do the same thing. I get up, I get my kids together, I feed them breakfast. You know, if they got to go to the babysitter, I get them ready to go to the babysitter. I, I rush to work, to get there right on time. I sit at work for eight to 10 hours, just depending on what the day is. I come home, I get dinner started and get dinner ready. I try to find, you know, a fun activity for my kids to do so they're just not sitting in the house all day. And and you do this over and over and over again to the point where you feel like this is all that I do. I'm taking care of everybody else. I'm taking care of my home. I'm taking care of my kids. I'm trying to take care of my husband. I started to, you know, really sit back and think and feel like, okay, well, I'm, I'm losing myself. I just, all I feel like is that I'm just a mom. The fastest way out of mom mode for Dominique always involves spending money. I deserve to, to be treated. I deserve to go out and do these things. I deserve to have these amenities or enjoy certain luxuries. Um, even if it's just once in a while, I deserve it. That's when you kind of say, regardless of what our finances are, this is what I'm going to do for myself. I'm going to go get my hair done. I'm going to go get a pedicure. I'm going to spend money on fast food because I work for this too. Like I don't just work 40 plus hours a week to take care of everybody else. At the end of the day, what about Dominique? What about for me? After their mortgage and bills were paid, Dominique estimates that her and her husband, Eric, had around $900 left between them every month to cover day-to-day expenses for themselves and their children. They would spend that, and then Dominique would spend money they didn't have, often on clothing. The first thing that I do is justify and say, you know, well, I work in the public and people are constantly seeing me, so I have to make sure I look nice. So this is really a necessity, you know, not just a luxury, which is usually the first mistake. We'll be back after a quick break. I'm Samantha Barry. Welcome back to She Makes Money Moves. What follows is a story about one day, but there were many other days like it. So I check our account and it's only like $5. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see what my balance is on my credit card. Let me see if I have any available money that I can use there. It was a couple outfits. And I think the total that they would have come to was maybe 45. And when I checked the balance on my credit card, it was like 49 and some change maybe. And I did it. I, you know, $5 in our account and, you know, just enough on a credit card to buy these clothes. And here I, I spent the rest of the money that's on, not thinking about what if I needed gas or what if, you know, something came up, not even thinking about that. Just like, I want this. I deserve this. I need it, you know, quote unquote, for work. 
Dominique kept those bags in the trunk so her husband wouldn't see them and eventually returned the clothes. But more often than not, she'd keep the things she splurged on. There was bills that I got. We didn't even know were, were coming in. And I got to the point where I would not I would not check my email. I would not check my mailbox. My anxiety from being in debt was so high that it, it just I couldn't do it. I wouldn't I wouldn't even open my email. And I would tell my husband, I was like, I'm not I don't even want to look at the mail because I know it's bill collectors. I know it's somebody asking for money. I um, mean, that was a mistake because one of the bills we actually went to court Um, where they garnished our wages. And then, probably two months later, they garnished his wages for another bill. For a while, Dominique's husband didn't voice his concerns about her impulse shopping. But two years ago, he took a closer look at the family's finances. He was like, something has to change. You can't keep doing this. Now, let's sit down and look out what's going out versus what's coming in and how can we manage it so that you still feel like you're able to accommodate the things that you want to do, but maybe just in more moderation. And we can still make sure that our bills are getting paid, that we can still make sure um, that we we have a savings. One thing that helped, Eric and Dominique worked out a system where she would get $50 on a prepaid, reloadable card every two weeks so she could spend on herself, but she couldn't overspend. Once that $50 is gone on that card, that's it. But you know that this is your limit, so you have to learn how to choose wisely. Um, If I want to get my hair done or get a pedicure, I've learned how to budget that in. I'm disciplining myself to say, okay, Dominique, well, just not right now. It's not never, but maybe you just don't need to get your hair done this month or maybe a pedicure is not the best thing to do, you know, this week. Maybe give it two more weeks and see what it looks like when your next paycheck comes around. Today, Dominique and Eric have paid off most of their credit card debt and hospital bills. They're working with a professional financial advisor through a local credit union, and Dominique has resumed checkups with her cardiologist, which she'd skipped for at least three years to avoid racking up more hospital bills. We just got to a place of savings this year where we were able to manage our finances well enough to where if if my tire blows today, we're not panicking like, where am I going to get $200 to replace your tire? Um, But now I don't have to worry about when a bill comes in, not having the money to pay it. Though they're now in a better place financially, Dominique worries that her emotional spending could derail them again. There's always that fear of going back. And just because you feel good today don't mean you're going to feel good tomorrow. And so when you don't feel good tomorrow, what are you going to do? I started my career as a reporter, so I know what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and spend money you probably shouldn't. So does today's expert, Farnoosh Tarabi, who racked up $30,000 in debt at age 22. After climbing her way out, she spent more than a decade helping other women do the same. I'm Farnoosh Tarabi. I'm a financial expert and the host of the So Money podcast. So Farnoosh, there's so much to unpack here. Dominique had a few questions, but this one really sticks out. She's on the right path, but she's worried she's going to backslide. How can she keep that from happening? I think that with a lot, anyone who's um, grappling with emotional spending, it's not about the money. It's about there's this, some void that you're trying to fill. And so exploring that is really worth your time. Is it that you crave connection? Are you just tired? I think that you have to sort of 
get to terms with the underlying factors. Maybe a little bit of therapy here wouldn't Mm -hmm. be bad just to kind of explore how her life changed after she became a mom and how that has impacted her and her sense of self-worth and her sense of purpose. Mm -hmm. Therapy goes a long way. But I think that, you know, right away what you can do is put some systems in place so that you don't get tempted. Don't be on Instagram at nine o'clock at night before bed because or Apple Pay so, or, or Amazon. Apple, yeah, or, a lot yeah. of these accounts that we have our credit card automatically tied right. to them. But if I'm already hooked up and I just got to press buy, and the computer already knows my address, it's it's auto filling all of it for me. Yeah. Like that's dangerous. So if you are an emotional spender or an impulse spender, maybe putting some obstacles. And the digi- in the, the digital way. era yeah. that stop you doing very immediate purchasing. Just having a little bit of e- having to go an extra, extra mile, effort. an extra effort to oh, get my purse, get the right. wallet out, get the credit card out. I'm like, ah, forget it. I don't want the shirt right. anyway. One of the things that I, I think I was getting from her story was, listen, it's hard to be a mom of two. My sister has three kids under the age of six and you need to make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. But that time for yourself doesn't always need to be something that you spend money on, right? There's other opportunities. Spending time for yourself, I get it. I'm a mom too. Sometimes just the quiet is like such a gift, right? Um, Finding little routines in your week that you can tap into that will help you to feel more reconnected to yourself. That doesn't involve like going out and spending money, but maybe it's a free yoga class. Mm -hmm. You know, it's running yourself a nice warm bath every Sunday night because that's when you have decided is when your husband's going to take your kids out and you're going to be able to have three hours to yourself. And if her husband's taking the kids, she can't use that time to catch up on laundry or pay the bills. None of the boring stuff. This time needs to bring her as much happiness as a manicure or a new pair of shoes. So she could take that bath, turn on some music, catch up on some celebrity news on Glamour.com. These are free, easy ways that can take the edge off emotionally. What's the easiest thing she can do to make herself feel better financially? Automation. This is so important for, especially for people who don't trust themselves to make the right decision because they're worried about falling back into bad habits. And I mean, it streamlines your life. It keeps you organized. Automating the most important things that she knows she has to accomplish financially every month, getting that money out of her account to those billers automatically on time every month is paramount. I would also love to add into this some life insurance along the mm-hmm. way because you now do have a family. It's really important. Um, thinking about also putting aside some for retirement. I don't know if she's on that path yet, but working for the government, you know, maybe there's some 401k, 401k or pension or something. And just automating some of these boring things first. Eat your vegetables first right. so then you can have the dessert and not have it come with any feelings of guilt or confusion. More on She Makes Money Moves right after this quick break. I'm Samantha Barry. Welcome back to She Makes Money Moves. That fallback fund is what we're going to be talking about over and over again in this series. Having that security of being able to deal with unexpected expenses, whether it's health, the loss of a job, a change of apartment, an up in rent, that fallback fund is so important. With Dominique, what's your take on where she is with her health expenses? I mean, health expenses are a leading cause of bankruptcy in this country. You know, with Dominique, it's that the expenses are just so high with her open heart surgery. And it's almost like someone else's mortgage. 
And I would really love for Dominique to call up the hospital, wherever the bill is coming from for this medical expense, and talk about a, 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 an easier payment plan. Can she stretch the payments out even more to kind of give them a little bit more breathing room month to month? Talk to the biller if you can extend the terms. I mean, I've, I've negotiated dental bills. Like, right. if you know you're going to get a procedure done, let's like say it's a filling or whatever, and your doctor's like, it's going to cost you $800. Does it really have to cost me $800? You know, I was reading through Consumer Reports that your doctor has to be your fiduciary. Like, they have to be your best representative when mm-hmm. it comes to your health, but also how you're going to afford that health care. Right. You can do that. You can call your doctor and be like, so um, I got the estimate for this, you know, this procedure. Can we talk it through? Like, this is my budget. Can we, Do we have to get it all done this year? Mm-hmm. Maybe also doing the procedure in two steps. So you do it in this calendar year, at the end of this calendar year, and then maybe at the beginning of 2020 when your insurance plan re-ups. Right. Right. That's another way to kind of get the whole thing paid for. Can you negotiate your health bills? Absolutely. You can. Talk me through that. I mean, it's better to negotiate before the fact. But if it's an emergency and you're getting open heart surgery, there's no time to kind of shop around for the best um, deal, so to speak. But for everyone listening, yeah, if you know you're going to be going in for, let's say, a procedure that um, you can get at any hospital or medical provider, there's actually a Healthcare Blue Book website, healthcarebluebook.com, and you can type in your geography, your zip code, and like braces or, you know, LASIK surgery or whatever it is, and they can find you quotes. Yeah, this site tells you the fair price of everything based on your zip code. But if you get a medical bill and there's a shock, can you negotiate the bill after it's sent? You can't lower the bill necessarily, but you may be able to come up with more amenable payment plans. Um, You also have to realize that a lot of medical bills have errors. There might be some line items in there. This is what I was getting at. I have a friend, she's a lawyer. Every time she gets a medical bill, she goes through it line by line because there are often errors. You're the one that is responsible for going through line by line. It takes time, but when you're talking about a bill that's thousands of dollars, I mean, my time is worth that. You know, I'm going to spend the hour to figure this out if it means saving myself a lot of money. It's happened to me. I got a bill. I had a procedure done, and I had insurance, but then I got the bill. And first of all, the date of the procedure was wrong. I got this bill, and I was like, I thought that the insurance company was supposed to pay for it. I called first, and I told them what had happened, and they said, you know what? Don't communicate with them anymore. They need to communicate with us. The biller has made a mistake. You know, you have a right as a medical patient. There are advocates out there who can work on your behalf, too, to, to like, kind of chase this bill down for you. Um, there's the Patient um, Advocate Foundation, and they also have a free app that you can go on and basically, you know, find resources to help you negotiate these terms or at least get more educated about these terms, but at the very least talk about payment plans and do check your line items to make sure that things that you that they're claiming were done, you got done, and that, you know, some things should be covered by insurance and maybe there was a cr- slip through the cracks and they're charging you for it. There are a lot of bumps in Dominique's financial journey, but it seems that she's in a good place now. They're on track. They're out of credit card debt. And I really like that her and her husband work together on getting them into a better financial place. She truly wants to do better. Having someone in your life that pulls you up and pulls you out and says, okay, you know, Dominique, let's get back to our monthly goals. And, you know, how's your budget going? And and do you need me to do anything for you? And I found this cool website, you know, to kind of be working 
for you on your behalf as you're running your life is invaluable. Okay, well, Dominique, we have high hopes for you. You're on the right path. I think she's she's got a good start already. Yeah, my gosh, she's got a life ahead of her. I love that. I love hearing from women in their 20s who care so much about their money. Look, you're not alone, you know? Like, th- there's a whole world of you out there. So let's start connecting and talking. We've heard over and over again that women feel better when they start talking about money. If you're spending money that you know deep down you shouldn't be, it's time to get on a different financial path. Talk to someone you trust, or if that's too hard, you can start by finding an online support group. Every small step is a step in the right direction if you're moving forward. Whether you're an emotional spender, a compulsive shopper, or you just have some financial questions, visit glamour.com money for resources and learn how you can make money moves. She Makes Money Moves is a production of Glamour and iHeartRadio with new episodes dropping every Tuesday. I'm your host and Glamour's editor-in-chief, Samantha Barry. The podcast is co-written and co-produced by Kim Fusaro and Deanna Buckman with support from Lauren Brown West Rosenthal. Editorial oversight is provided by Maddie Kahn. Christina Everett is our executive producer. Mary Dew is our audio engineer. Recording help provided by Rick Layton Freeman. Julie Shen heads up business and development of this podcast and Pat Singer heads up our research team. Special thanks to Farnoosh Tarabi and our guest Dominique for sharing her story. Mm-hmm.